The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Last week, Paul told us that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory that will be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. So with all of that in mind, all of the present sufferings that will go on during our life, all the groaning that creation does, these are the verses that Paul comes, that comes to So if you're with us here in the church, open up your bulletins to page 10. And if you're at home with us on Zoom, thanks for joining us. Open up your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 to 30. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. SpongeBob SquarePants is sitting in his boating class with Miss Puff, and he is ready to learn about the assignment that he's going to have. And sitting in his desk, Miss Puff announces the assignment, and, he sa- and she says to SpongeBob, you need to write an essay about what to do and what not to do at a stoplight. SpongeBob's excited. He gets back to his house, he gets to his pineapple, rolls up to his desk and announces triumphantly to his snail, Gary, I am about to create the greatest essay that's ever been created in the world. But he doesn't get started right away. He's got to sharpen his pencil. He's got to make sure everything's set up to go. But then he starts to procrastinate a little bit more. Instead of getting started on his essay, he says, oh, Gary, you need some food. I don't want you occupying me at all. He starts a little bit. He has to get a package from the mailman, so he talks to the mailman for about 10 to 15 minutes. After he's done doing that, it's 11 o'clock at night. So suddenly he needs to find a burst of inspiration. And he does. And he starts to dazzle with his he starts to, He starts to create. He goes nuts for about five minutes on his paper. And after he's done, SpongeBob has created the greatest the that has ever been made in mankind. But he never, he didn't finish his essay. And it takes him all night to be able to finish that essay. What he wanted to start, he wasn't able to finish. And in the end, SpongeBob actually didn't know what to do or what not to do at a stoplight either. Is that how our prayers sound sometimes? Scrambled around, procrastinated, going this way and that way, but not having a focus? Paul makes a claim, and it's true, that in our weakness, we don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to give thanks to God. We don't know how to talk to our God. 
There always seems to be this awkward moment, doesn't there, right before someone prays, either before dinner or before you're doing something you want to do a prayer? Who's going to say it? And then once they get chosen to do the prayer, what are they going to say? What are, what are we going to say? How do I even approach the Almighty God? What do I say in a prayer? How do I sound good to the people around me? How do I sound, uh, make a prayer that sounds good and gracious and loving towards my Father? What, how do I pray for this? We fumble through, we stumble through, we get distracted, we start on one thought of our prayers, but then it starts, we start thinking of another thing, and then we go on to a tangent over here. We fumble through, we mumble through, we stutter, we, we don't know what to say to God. And then we start thinking, what's the point of praying? What's the point of praying if God already knows? What's the point of praying if I'm going to just end up saying the same thing over and over and over again? I pray for my family. I pray for my friends. I pray for this and that and that. If it's all going to sound the same, what's the point of praying? And then in the end, we just end up pushing it to the side. And what we wanted to start with our prayers, we end up not doing it anyways. We just don't know. We don't have the words for prayer. But can I tell you why this is a really comforting thing? Because every time we go to prayer, there's two people praying. Every time we go to prayer, it's me there, but it's also the Spirit. Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And in our inadequacy of not knowing what to pray for. And he exceeds himself with groans that the Father understands. One pastor put it this way. And one pastor said that the Holy Spirit has done a whole lot of correcting of the prayers that have gone up to heaven. But you want to know something? Every single time we miscommunicate our prayers, every single time it seems like we prayed for the wrong thing, every single time the words didn't come out exactly the way that we wanted, God understood them. The God who searches our hearts and minds and knows the mind of the Spirit, knows the groans of the Spirit that he's bringing. Every time it feels like I'm praying over and over for the same things, like it doesn't make any sense, like it seems like I'm just circling the drain or I'm just checking it off a box, God understands it. Because the Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness and inadequacy of prayer. Because the Holy Spirit knows exactly how I feel. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what I need. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how to say it to God. You know, everyone wants to feel like they matter in the world. And especially for my generation, people my age, young adults, we just want to feel like we are making an impact in the world. We want to be able to feel like we are being heard in the world. We want to be able to, we want to feel like we are making an impact, saying stuff that is actually being taken, taken into account and making an impact in what we do in our jobs, in our relationships. But prayer isn't just a one isn't just a one-way street. Prayer isn't something that we just do on our own. In the book of Ruth, Ruth is carrying a whole lot more than just grain on her backs when she goes out into the fields to pick up the leftover scraps after they've done they're done harvesting. What Ruth is carrying is a whole lot. Ruth is carrying the loss of her husband. Ruth is carrying the fact that she's dedicated her life to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And what Ruth needs more than anything else is to be heard. Ruth needs to be seen. 
And as it turns out, God had been directing the paths of her life this whole time. And she was in that field so that she could be found by her kinsman redeemer, Boaz, to be heard, to be seen, to be cared for. What Ruth heard and what Ruth needed was to be heard. And she got it because she had a God who was working all things for her good. God hears your mumbled and your chunked apart and torn apart prayers because he wants you. The God who knew you before the foundations of the world, before the creation of the world, wanted you. God wanted you, not just the idea of you, not the potential of what you could bring to the world. God wanted you because he loved you. You're noticed by God, having all of your prayers footnoted and captioned and translated by the Holy Spirit. Why the Holy Spirit jumps in alongside of you in your prayers because God wants to hear them. Because you were elected and chosen to be a child and an heir of God. You were elected and chosen by Christ, not by what you could do for him, not because God needed you, but because God wanted you. Knowing exactly who we are, knowing exactly all the weaknesses we bring to the table, God chose you and wants to hear from you and sent his son to die for you to make you something that by nature you are not, a redeemed, a justified child of God. By the means of grace and the word and the sacrament, he has made you his. And we know it. You see how clear and how direct Paul says those words, right? We know. We know our sufferings and we know our weaknesses that we have. We know that what we give in our prayers is not up to snuff. We know that the lives and the sins that we live are not what we should be doing either. But we also know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sometimes in our prayers, it seems like we do a lot of pointing out. We do a lot of inventory of the things that are going on in our lives. God, this could probably be changed. I could be better here, so we should pray about that. God, this could probably be better in my life, so I'd like this. We do a lot of pointing out in our prayers. There's a story about a congregation that was suffering through the fact that their pastor was terminally ill and he was about to die. So the congregation went to their knees. They prayed. They went in front of God and said, God, restore this pastor to health. Bring him around. Bring him to health. God, we need this pastor. But that pastor died. And at the funeral, the minister who was there giving the sermon was a friend of the pastor who passed away. And when he got into the pulpit, he started saying, maybe some of you are tempted to think that God doesn't listen to our prayers, that God doesn't listen to what we think we need in our lives. But when you went to pray, there were two prayers that were going up. A lot of your prayers said that God restore this pastor to health. We need him. God restore this pastor to health. We need someone who loves him dearly. But the one that went along with it was from This pastor away. He's been a good and faithful servant. His time at the church is done. And this congregation and this church are relying too much upon that pastor, and they're not relying enough upon you. Take them away so that they can see you. 
The truth is, is that God cares a whole lot more about your spiritual condition than he does about your physical condition. These verses do not guarantee that you're going to have a better life circumstance in your life, but they do guarantee that you're going to have a better life in Christ. They guarantee that you can overcome all things in Christ. Even with the Spirit interceding for us in our prayers, it doesn't mean that everything just suddenly starts to get better, but it does mean that you have the ear of the Father, that God hears your prayers. And it means that God is for you. and God is with us. And in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of not knowing what to say to God, how to give thanks, or even how to respond to God, in our profound weakness, we can confess boldly that everything works for our good because God loves us. In the midst of brothers who are in the hospital lying, lying on the hospital bed knowing that there are diseases coming, we can say, we know. In the midst of when it seems like everything is possibly going against us with our family life, everything is going the opposite way of what we want with our friends and with our best friends, we can just shake our heads and say, we know. When it seems like everything that we try to do to reach out to the community, to evangelize, to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the gospel, and it seems like everything we do just seems to be left empty, we can just shake our heads and we can say, we know. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. That's how God works. That's how God treats his children. And that's how he's always worked. A lot of you were able to make the trip out to New Jersey with us to be able to see the installation and ordination of the new pastor, Pastor Andrew Krieger, out in New Jersey. And some of you were able to see the emotional telling of the story of how they were able to receive a pastor from their church president. How for a year they didn't know if they were going to have a pastor. How they called pastors to come and serve them, but then other pastors were not coming to serve them. How many times do you think the Spirit interceded for them and groaned along with them? How much joy do you think the Father had when he was finally able to grant them the answer of a pastor they had been praying for? The next time you run out of words or you don't know what to say in your prayers, read through verses 28 and 29 and 30. Try and find any possible way that you can break this chain of salvation that Christ has done for you. You can't. But you already knew that. That's how God treats his children. And God is working all things for those who love him, weak and worthy. Amen.